If you like what you hear on this episode, you're going to want to come check out my new podcast called the Unfuck Your Brain Podcast. What you're listening to right now, The Lawyer's Stress Solution, has ceased production of new episodes. But Unfuck Your Brain is rocking and rolling. Every week, I release a new episode of the Unfuck Your Brain podcast, teaching you the same great tools for taming your brain, but with even more applications to other areas of your life. You can search for it by name. Remember, there's an asterisk instead of the U in unfuck because we like to be polite. Or just click the link to it in the podcast description for this show. I'll see you over there. You're listening to The Lawyer Stress Solution, the only podcast that teaches you cognitive science-based techniques specifically created for lawyers. Learn how to manage your lawyer brain and conquer the stress, anxiety, and overwhelm of lawyer life. Here's your host, former lawyer and certified master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hey, hello, my little lawyers. This week, I have a special treat for you. You listen to me talk all the time, but today I want to introduce you to my friend, Heather Hubbard, who is a former lawyer and a badass lawyer coach and just a general rock star. And I've asked her to come here today to talk to us a little bit about her approach to law and coaching and her practice and what she learned over her legal career and how she implements that in her coaching. So she and I have different perspectives, but they're really complementary. And so I think you all are going to learn a lot about how to approach this work from a different angle today. So thanks for being with us, Heather. It's great to have you. Thanks, Cara. I'm happy to be on your show. <laughs> that feels so official, like my show. <laughs> it's like Johnny Carson. Um, <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do now? Like who do you work with and what's your approach? Yeah. So I was an IP litigator for over a decade. I was a partner at an AMLA 200 firm here in Nashville and a practice group leader of the litigation group. And I left in October of 2014 to start my own coaching and consulting company. And, you know, I use the word coaching, but I have to admit, I always disclose, I don't actually have a certification in coaching. I'm more of a strategist, but a lot of people don't know what that is. So I use the word coach, but I think for, for me, the difference is that I definitely give you my unfiltered advice, which I don't think is always appropriate <laughs> in the coaching world. Uh, you can speak to that better, but I mostly work with female partners. Um, that's certainly not the only person I work with, but a lot of it's just about helping them one achieve even more success. A lot of times you get to that certain point and you really start feeling that glass ceiling. And then the other part of it is you start to feel really frustrated and things can feel, you know, it's just not what you thought it would be. And so it becomes, how do you have a career that is thriving both, you know, from a financial perspective, a career perspective, but also something that's really deeply satisfying. And so that's, that's my approach. My, my goal, my mission is to help as many women as possible be as successful as possible in the legal industry, whatever that means to them. I love it. And I love that you give the disclaimer about not being a coach because as a lawyer myself, I'm familiar with how often we want to like be very specific. <laughs> Today I was coaching a, a client of mine who's a lawyer and wants to transition into another 
another business sort of like as a style coach. And she was like, do I have to keep, do I keep coaching payments in escrow? And I was like, no, <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> oh, it's so hard to shake that, right? I know for sure. I mean, like whenever I tell people what I do and I say, well, what I do has a lot of some similarities to cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy. And I'm always like, but I am not a therapist. I'm not <laughs> therapy. Just conceptual similarities. Yeah. That lawyer brain stays with you. Absolutely. Um, So I know that one of the ways that you teach is on your awesome podcast, Hustle and Flow, which is such a great name. And I'm sort of curious if you could tell us a little bit about like, what does that phrase mean to you? Like, what is your philosophy about lawyer life? And how do you bring hustle and flow into what you teach? Yeah. So, you know, I have been a hustler since I was a little girl and I'm proud (laughs) of that. I'm not, I'm not even embarrassed about it. You know, I love the hustle. I love achieving that was just always my second nature. And honestly, flow was a foreign concept to me. I did not understand that. I did not want that. But I got to the point in my life where I just had one personal crisis after another. And this is going to sound really random, but it would be a really long story otherwise. But so I end up, I'm on this like journey. I end up in Tanzania during the Great Migration. And I just see all of these animals that are moving together. Like there are millions of them. And I'm just like, I'm taking it in and I'm like, wait a minute. They're like, no one had a meeting to say, okay, we're going to migrate today. (laughs) And no one, you know what I mean? Like there, Mm -hmm. there was just no, there was a flow of life that I realized I was missing because I had just gotten so narrow-minded and focused on my own little world that I forgot that there is balance outside of that. And so that's when I really started trying to figure out, you know, what is this flow and how can I bring that into my career? Is that even possible? And the answer is yes. And so for me, the analogy I always use, if if you're like in a river, right, when you're hustling, a lot of times it's like you're always swimming against the current, you're pushing upstream. And so you just get so exhausted and depleted. And if you're totally in the flow all the time, you're really just, you know, like a log drifting and you're going to end up somewhere you probably never intended to be. And that's not me either, right? Like I I can't do 100% flow. I'm not just this, you know, hippie deep person that can show up anywhere and be like, yeah, no problem. I'm just in the present moment. That's, (laughs) That's not me either, no matter how much I wanted to be. So to me, hustle and flow is really this beautiful combination where you don't have to pull back on the hustle, but you also have to try to stay in the flow so that one, you are going downstream, but you're in the boat, you're rowing, you're the captain. So, you know, it's not just random. That's the analogy I know how to use best, just in this sense of it brings you, for me, I think, it brings you so much more satisfaction and enjoyment in life when you can try to figure out how to have both. It's my concept of having it all. (laughs) I love it. That's an amazing story about Tanzania too. Mm. I would like, I need to hear more about that story some other time. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I love that. And, you know, and thinking about how you're talking about flow versus sort of swimming upstream, you know, I use different language, but I think this is something I work with people a lot when we do work about feelings, right? Are you going to resist your feelings and muscle through them, mm-hmm. right? Or are you going to allow them to be there and then figure out how to act and how to, you know, even change your feelings, but from that place, right? And 
I think like every, we should all be taught this when we're four years old and I don't know why we're not. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. Amen. Everybody is so used to like white knuckling through, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, like my clients are always been like, of course I feel my anxiety. I feel it all the time. It's terrible. <laughs> right. <I'm> like, <laughs> right. Cause you're trying to like push through it. You're trying to like grit your teeth and just hustle through your anxiety as you would put it. Right. And like, yeah. how can you learn to be a little bit more in that present moment of like, okay, like this is here. This feeling is here. Right. I can let that flow through me. And if I don't resist it, it's actually much easier to change it and take action. So, yes. Yeah. I love that. Since I have you here, I thought maybe I could get a little, get a little free coaching. That's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, am an entrepreneur as you are. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of hustle. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I do my own version of the flow work on feelings and stuff, but I would be really interested, you know, whether you just want to give a few tips or if there's a way to sort of actually coach in the moment, but do you have recommendations for how I can kind of work more flow into my life? Because it feels like just this never ending to-do list, which is fine. I don't expect to ever get to the bottom of it, but it does feel like I'm constantly hustling. Like if I finish that thing, okay, what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? Yeah. I mean, so that's the thing. I'm, and by the way, I will say I am a workaholic and I don't know that I'll ever not be partly because I don't care, (laughs) right? Like you have to want to change. Right. (laughs) And so I, you know, I think there's beauty in the hustle, but we do have to take care of ourselves if we want to sustain the hustle. So I think, you know, you probably, my guess is have pretty good flow, but everyone's going to be a bit different. The thing that I think is most helpful is meditation. A lot of people resist against that. And a lot of people say, you know, I've tried it and it just doesn't work. And if that's the case, no problem. You don't have to do that. But I do think that meditation and the research behind it, it shows that it just creates this space and allows us to really calm down in a way that I personally can't experience anywhere else. But if, so one, I would say if you've not tried meditation, I would give it a go. There's a ton of different types out there. So even if you've tried one or two ways, if you're just trying to shut off your mind, that's the hardest way to meditate. I would encourage you to do some kind of visualization or guided meditation. I love the, um, there is a podcast called mini meditations. They're like little bitty, like six to 10 minute meditations. And she's got this great voice. So I always recommend that you give that a try. But other than that, I often encourage people to come up with, if you can't like create space that way, to come up with a happiness and meaning list. And a lot of attorneys don't even know what makes them happy or offers them meaning because my experience is that we go to law school with all of these hopes and dreams and activities and, you know, life outside of law. And then we become lawyers and lose all of that. (laughs) And so it's like, how do you get back in touch with that? So sometimes you can't just write down a list. You've got to do a little exploration, which is why working with a coach can be helpful. But that's, I think what I would encourage you to do, if you don't meditate already, give it a shot. And if, if you do that or don't, go ahead and try to come up with a happiness and meaning list. And what I mean by that is what sustains you? What fills you up, right? Like it's, it's putting on that oxygen mask. So one thing that I found was that nature really helps me get back to where I need to be. It brings me perspective. 
But my natural tendency is to say, okay, I'll do that once all of my work gets done. Mm -hmm. And it won't ever happen. <laughs> so if you come up with a happiness and meaning list, and I always tell people to test it out, right? You put it like on your desk, somewhere where you can see it all the time. And you create time, whether you put it on your schedule or you do it first thing in the morning, and you make sure you're doing at least one of those every single day. That in and of itself is going to help you stay in the flow of life. It's when we cut off everything that brings us joy and peace that we get so in the zone that like, you know, it's been two, three days and maybe we've not taken a shower and, you know, <laughs> it's just me and my dogs and my cats and, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love, oh my God, there's so many things in there. I also, I, um, I have fun interviewing lawyers because I feel like we all think and speak in complete paragraphs. So right, we're like, <laughs> we're like four, here's my 14 point argument. So, so much of that is great. And maybe I'll just work backwards. You know, the, as for the last thing, like doing those small things, I'm sitting here looking at my computer and to my right, I have a vase of flowers. Mm -hmm. so I love flowers. I love having flowers in the house. They make me like inordinately happy. But definitely for years, I went through this mental process of being like, we don't really need flowers. Mm -hmm. I have a waste of money, right? Then they just die. It was like an indulgence, like a special treat, right? And so I love the idea of sort of bringing sources of pleasure and things that feel like they fill you back up into your daily life. You know, I find that um, a lot of my clients, and I don't know if it's just the way women are socialized or like the Puritan foundings of this country or what it is, but we all have this idea that like we have to earn pleasure, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, I got to yeah. like hustle for a while until I feel perfect and then I can enjoy something, right? Right, And it's like so counterproductive. So I love what you also just said about sustaining the hustle. Like to me, I think it's also, it's almost a relief to think like, okay, yeah, being an entrepreneur is just, there's gonna be a lot of hustle, right? Because especially in the coaching and self-help space, there's a lot of people who sort of, talk about it as though you can, like you said, exist in flow 100% of the time. And yeah, like, I, I don't know those people. Yeah, maybe that's great, but like those people didn't go to law school for a reason. Right. right. So that is not my experience, but, but I do, but I can, my lawyer brain can comprehend the idea that like, and I always teach, of course, I teach my clients the stuff I need to learn too, right? No one can hustle 100% of the time, mm -hmm. right? It's something I try to teach a lot that like no one can be at 100, 100% of the time, but we think that's where we should be. Oh, absolutely. And we assume that that's what other people are doing. Right, right. All my clients. But, I'm like, it can't be true that everyone else is working harder than you because all of you say that to me. And if you look around, you know, if you're in a company or you're in a firm and you're like, everybody's working so hard. If you just ask yourself, but do they look happy? Right. Because they're probably, you know, there's a lot of dysfunctional firms out there mm -hmm. where people are allowed to behave very badly, that would not be acceptable anywhere else, which is always a, a bit ironic to me that it seems to be the labor and employment groups that are always the worst. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, there comes a point where you have to look around and say, you know, why are they so unhappy all the time? Why do they have a chip on their shoulder? Why are they angry all the time? Why are they really short with people? And so, yeah, maybe others are working a lot, but is that really the life that you want to lead? Is that the example you want to follow? And I get you probably want their title, you want their comp, but my message is you can have that stuff without sacrificing your soul. 
And as long as we follow that, what I call the masculine model, you're going to keep selling your soul. And I don't think we have to do that. I don't think you have to make that sacrifice. I think there are much better ways to approach it. And I love all of the mindset work that you do and talk about because so much of it is just we get in this world where we think that's all that's possible and anything outside of that is selfish. And it's like, no, actually, that's just not even true. That's just a story that you're telling yourself. And you picked it up from law school and law firms in the industry, but you don't have to keep repeating it. And that's the beauty, right? Like you don't have to keep repeating it. You can totally change that. Yeah. And I also part of what's going on is like, when you are, when you drive yourself without a break, you become much less efficient. So when you look around and you're like, oh, that person in the office over there is here 18 hours a day. Like maybe they're there 18 hours a day doing 13 hours of work because they have been driving themselves in this relentless way. And they're actually not as efficient as they could be. So it's also like people assume that they're the only ones who end up spending time on Facebook or like right. focus when in fact, everyone's doing that. Right. Coaching somebody about this yesterday, like how to change her thoughts so that she could actually take time off. Because the other thing mm-hmm. a lot of us do is when we take time off, we spend the whole time thinking about working and how we should be working. Right. Like, you know, the, the body mind connection is so wild, right? There are those studies about how if you have somebody imagine doing an exercise, the neurons in their brain that correspond to that physical part of the body will fire and they will actually develop some strength just from thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And the same is true in reverse, right? If you spend all your time thinking about how you should be working, you don't feel refreshed. You actually feel like you did a bunch of work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just went on vacation and totally unplugged. I pulled my, my apps off of my phone. I did not have email nice. or anything else. But for the vast majority of my legal life, I would have told you that was not possible. And I ruined a lot of relationships along the way, including with myself. And again, it it just goes back to, it is possible. Um, Mm -hmm. You just got to get a little uncomfortable. But once you get on the other side, you're like, oh, wow, why did I ever (laughs) allow these stories to basically be my reality? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I love your meditation suggestion too. You know, one of my, the interesting things I've experienced is that I tried to meditate for a long time and not only was my like lawyer brain just had a lot to say, <laughs> but also of course <laughs> I was kind of using it against myself. It became like one more thing I should be doing. Mm. So I could be better like in that generalized, like I always need to be better sense. And so after a while I sort of gave myself permission to stop trying. And then I found this coaching work and like now I can meditate again. You know, so I often find with my, with clients who feel like they can't meditate like once we do a little bit of work on like really what I'm teaching are some of the same things you learn in meditation, right? Your thoughts are not reality. You can observe them, right? They're not the same as you and they can be kind of looked at independently. So once people learn that, they actually then have an easier time meditating on the other side. Yeah, I agree. I think so many people myself included, that initially have problems meditating. It's the, what we're not grasping is the Mm non-judgment. We don't know how to not be judgmental of ourselves for having, you know, that crazy monkey mind. Totally. And yeah. Yeah. So that's great that you're helping people do that. Yeah. That evaluation thing is so, and this is sort of a tangent, but relevant one. I think I just had a client crying the other day on a call when I, all I, I just said offhand, you know, like, what would your life be like if you weren't constantly evaluating yourself? Mm. And she was just like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, 
are you saying that that's a thing a person could do? They could live their life without constantly evaluating whether they were good enough, you know, yeah. what they, what in any given moment, were they being good or bad? And I was like, yeah, you know, like that is, that's a possibility. Yeah. And it's so freeing. Yeah. Right. You're like, oh my God, I could just, this is, I always say that the day, especially given I was raised by lawyers Mm. (laughs) and Jewish lawyers at that. So (laughs) the day that I realized you didn't have to have an opinion about literally everything you acted with, like that blew my mind. (laughs) And just like, really, that's not, you know, lawyers, we evaluate, like the minute someone says anything, we like evaluate it as a concept and is there a hole in it? And what's the extreme example? And yeah. So, and we turn that on ourselves. So learning mm-hmm. how to like take that down a notch is huge. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I know you mentioned you mostly work with partners, but of course you were an associate once who made it to partner. So I'm curious if you have uh, any advice for my listeners about, it's obviously a huge question, but like, are there skills or tools they should be practicing now or where should they be looking to grow? Like how can they get to partner without killing themselves hustling on the way? Yeah. You know, and that's, Again, I always go back to my my disclaimer. I did not get what I would, I'm going to use the word healthy. I did not get healthy (laughs) until I became a partner. So I absolutely can share advice, but I always like to say I did not do it myself. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I think you got to test and work on things, but for, but I did have this and it, it made a big difference. One is a coach. And by the way, I don't even do individual coaching, so I'm not trying to sell myself. But having, I did work with coaches that were just business coaches, but they pushed me to really focus on mindset and, you know, self-care. And so that was helpful. That was really when I was moving into partner. But I can only imagine how much more effective I would have been and happier I would have been if I had started that stuff earlier. So much of becoming partner, right, is about doing not just good work, but pleasing partners, which unfortunately leads to a lot of associates feeling like they have to be on call 24-7 and they simply cannot say no to anyone. In that regard, I highly encourage you to find partners that do respect your time and that have a life outside of, of the office. That's not always possible, but I think it's worth trying to get away from the partners that are workaholics and don't appreciate you because there are plenty of good ones out there. And I feel like a lot of times associates just don't feel empowered to try to seek those partners out. And so I'm just giving you permission. If you feel like you need permission, you have it. Try to get away from the ones that are not going to appreciate you know, your time and find the ones that do. Because if you find them, one, they're going to be able to show you how to, you know, incorporate, I know we use the word boundaries a bit differently, but to incorporate boundaries that you can use while still keeping clients like really happy and other partners really happy. I just think so much of it is just getting aligned with the right teams. And it's part of why I encourage associates that if they're in a bad firm or they're working with the wrong partners, like you need to find a better fit now because it can really set you up for failure. You may make partner, you may make a lot of money, but the failure part is that personal piece, right? And so being able to see someone that can role model for you and work with them, that is so important. So that that would be my biggest piece of advice is to make sure you're working with the right people so that, you know, you're not working all of the time and putting up with, quite frankly, 
you know, some partners can be verbally abusive. And unfortunately, that seems to be acceptable in law firms. And so you got to take care of yourself and get away from that. Yeah, I mean, I think my my teacher always says, like, if you can change a circumstance, go for it. So it's a good reminder that, you know, I do think one of the things that goes on with associates, well, all lawyers is that we get into the sort of ironically kind of passive mentality about how much control we have over our own lives, mm-hmm. even though like other people, non-lawyers would think we're like aggressive, <laughs> right? Right. But it's just sort of like, well, this is the practice group I'm in and this is the, this is the partner I have and this is how they like it to do it. And that's how I have to do it. Right. Yeah. And we can get kind of stuck in that cycle when in fact, yes, maybe there's a way to change partners. There's also a way to deal with your own anxiety about the partner right? And there's mm-hmm. a way to figure out what is your long-term career plan. Like if you don't want to make partner and you want to get out of the firm anyway, does it make sense to make yourself insane staying up 24 hours a day to keep this person happy all the time, right? Right. Like there comes this element of people pleasing comes up that doesn't even strategically matter in your career plan, but then yes. you're just like locked into that. And just learning to, you know, at least what I see in my clients is one of the big things is sort of the right word for this is, but it's just kind of like assuming that number one, what the other person wants you have to do. And number two, that like, there are going to be extreme negative consequences for you if someone else is displeased. Yeah. And, so, and like that's said, you displease yourself. <laughs> it's like well, somebody's going to be displeased in this situation. And I think as lawyers, because we are trained and taught to always be looking for the worst case scenario, we start to assume that everything will be the worst case scenario. And that right. is rarely the case. Yeah. Rarely is that the case. So that's, uh, mindset work is so important. And that's truly what I wish I had had more than anything <laughs> was people to point out to me that so much of what was going on was completely made up. Now, granted, it was completely being enforced. I mean, reinforced by, you know, my colleagues in the industry, but yeah, the lawyer brain can be damaging. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, totally. I call that catastrophizing and it's so extreme. It's like, especially in law firms where like almost nobody gets fired overnight. I know. Right. It's like, it's a, <laughs> compared to a lot of industries, it's like a long, slow burn, right? Yeah. Like, you've got a well, while and then there's reviews. And then if they tell you that you need to take time to find something else, it's like, we're talking months, if not years, but everybody's yeah. brain is like, if you don't answer this email at 3 a.m., you'll be fired tomorrow and live under the bridge. And the funny thing is the people that like, there are some really successful people in law firms that don't ever do any of the firm activities, right? Like they, they, people don't like them necessarily, right? Because they're not following suit, but they still do extremely well. And that's what I always say. What do you want more? You say you want that success, but what I really think you're wanting is approval. And Mm -hmm. what do you get at the end of the day for approval? just more stress and anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what it all goes back to. If you don't approve of yourself, then it it won't ever be enough. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So I think that's really helpful for the folks who do want to stay and make partner. And I definitely have lots of folks like that. And (laughs) I feel like I should say like, I didn't put Heather on the show to tell you all that you need to hire a coach. (laughs) She doesn't work one-on-one, but I still do. So you probably, you all know, you can always hit me up for a consultation call. So I get definitely lots of people who want to stay, they want to make it a success. And then I also often talk to people who are not sure that they made the right decision about law school and being Uh a lawyer. And they're not sure if it's really the career for them. And I know that you have an offering that's potentially helpful with that kind of thing. So I just love if you would tell my listeners a little bit about that in case it would be a good fit for them. 
Yeah. So, you know, when people think about, you know, did I, there's so many people that are like, I should have never become a lawyer in the first place. Or so I do lead retreats for partners and people will show up and say, you know, I'm thinking I want to leave my firm completely. And when we get through all of the work, they're like, actually, I was wrong. I love my job. And it's just there's certain aspects I don't like. And I didn't realize that maybe I could just try to change them. And so I love it when people realize that they love being lawyers and had no idea. So, but I, so I have a course called Career Clarity. And I did the first beta round in July. And I'm about to start the second round in September. So when I was doing individual coaching, I got a lot of people coming to me, one, trying to figure out whether or not you know, they should stay or go. And if they were going to stay, what did they need to change in order to be more successful or to be happier? And then for those that were definitely wanting to exit out, they were trying to figure out, well, what was next for them? And that's really where the strategy piece comes in. And that's kind of my, you know, I don't know if you use this term, but it's kind of like the zone of genius piece. It's that vision and high level strategy. And so I worked with them for years doing that. And I thought, you know, I think I can systematize this. So in July, we did the first beta group. It went really, really well. We did it for four weeks. And what I learned was people needed even more content and even more help. So now for the second round. I'm doing it for six weeks. But part of like the aha moments that people had, they were like, I was focusing completely on the wrong thing. And um, I've just been on these job boards, but didn't even know that I should be considering, you know, more of the logistical things. And I'd never heard this concept of purpose and passion and legacy and how it all kind of intertwined. So I go through six weeks, we do video trainings, you have an exercise book where you're completing things. And by the end, you have a career guide that basically takes all of the things that we worked on and you can identify, you know, what are your unique strengths? What's your unique selling proposition? What are your values? What are your motivators? What is your North Star? What are your landmines? The things that you're going to take with you when you go, right? That's why so many people change the picture, but it's still the same because they take their own baggage with them. And then figuring out, you know, the negotiables and the non-negotiables, basically it's all right in front of you. And then we come up with a plan for what are your next steps. And I love teaching this because my goal is to have as many, like I said, happy, successful attorneys out there as possible. So it just provides so many breakthroughs. So if any of your listeners are, you know, wondering should I exit out? You know, they're just wanting to explore their options to figure out, you know, should I stay? And if I leave, what would be my best options? What's going to make me the happiest? How do I even go about finding that right job? I would love to have them in the course if they're interested. It is limited to 35 people and it is open for enrollment from September 5th until the 19th. And we get started on the 21st, but they can find out all of the information at legalcareerclarity.com. Awesome. All right. I love it, especially because I tend to mostly work with people who know they want to be a lawyer, at least for the next few years, and really want to figure out how to rock it out and feel good about their jobs now. So I love having some place to send people who are more like, I don't even know if I should be a lawyer. Maybe I should stop. What would I do? Right. That, yeah. kind, of, that kind of like, how do I get out kind of question. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So check out Heather's offering for sure. Any of you, any of you who are thinking you need to leave. 
And I know you've heard one of the reasons I feel comfortable (laughs) recommending this is that Heather does work on the mindset because as she said, and as I always teach people who come to me for career clarity stuff, like we have to clear up your mindset first because you just take your brain wherever you go, Mm -hmm. right? So, so many lawyers think like, oh, if I just quit being a lawyer, that would solve all my problems. And it's like, no, your brain's going with you. So you got to learn the mindset stuff, even if you're going to leave. Absolutely. And week one, we actually do some mindset work just to prepare for the course because, (laughs) right? Because we all have issues with like, have you completed a course before? Or, you know, do you say you're going to do it, but not actually do it? You've got to get right on your mindset to begin with to make sure that you don't let those stories get in your way and stop you from achieving the success that you want to have. So we are 100% on the same page when it comes to, (laughs) when it comes to that. Yeah. And that's such a perfect example of lawyer brain. It's like, we got to coach about the coaching first before we can get to the coaching. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, it has been a pleasure talking to you, Heather. Cara, this has been so much fun. Yeah. And thanks for sharing your zone of genius with my people. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. All right. I'll talk to y'all next week. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is my feminist coaching community for all things on Fuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying all these concepts I teach to your own life and learning how to do thought work to blow your own mind. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will change your life even more. It's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change everything. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we'll text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know about the clutch. 347-934-8861. Or again, just go online to www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I cannot wait to see you there.